We got this book to cover, this book to cover, some other notes. I'm just kidding. When, when, when Cody asked me to do this, and you start digging, you start reading and trying to learn about what it was like. So if you look at um, 27, just a little bit before 27, I think Cody probably covered this. What was going on that Paul, you know, the Jews are going to beat him up and uh, possibly kill him. And, and he pulled a card. He pulled his citizenship. He said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. And the gentleman who was the jailer or who was over him said, what? I had to pay for my citizenship. And he was born Roman. But we also are citizens of the kingdom of God. That's our first citizenship. But we're also citizens of the United States. Um, that's what Paul used. He knew the rules of the Romans and that he was a citizen and he knew what to appeal for. And he said, I, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. And that guy started watching real closely. He's like, you just can't abuse a Roman citizen anyway. You can't treat him anyway. If he wasn't a citizen, yeah, you might could kill him and beat him up. But if he's a citizen, he's got certain rights. And that we have certain rights here in the United States. You know what people can and can't do to you. So um, he had gone before several folks, and then um, in 26, at the end of it, you know, he went before um, some fellow named Festus. Now, when I see Festus, what do y'all see? Gunsmoke. I know. But this Festus probably um, carried a lot of weight. Um, Agrippa. Well, as Agrippa said to, to Shaw or Paul, in this short time, you're trying to convince me to become messianic. See, Jewish believe, did not believe, the Jews did not believe in that Christ had come, the messi, Messiah had come. But at that time, here's Paul saying Jesus has come and he's trying to get the word out to them and they get mad at him when he starts telling the truth. It makes the Jewish people mad. If you start telling the truth, Sometimes people get mad. They can't take it, and they'll want to, you know. So half of them would get it, some of them wouldn't. And uh, whether it takes a short time, he said, you're trying to be, uh, convince me to come a, become a Christian or a Messianic. And Paul, Paul replied, whether it takes a short time or a long time, I wish to God that not only you, but also everyone hearing me today might become just like me except for these chains. And the king got up. And with him, the governor and Bernice, Bernice, and the others sitting with him. And after they had left, they said to one another, they're talking to each other, this man is doing nothing that deserves either death or prison. He hadn't really broken anything that deserved death or prison. But Agrippa said to Festus, if he hadn't appealed to the emperor, he could have been released today. He could have been a free man. But that was not Paul's calling. It was important that Paul uh, go before the emperor in Rome. Caesar. Caesar. So we're on 27 here. Once it had been decided that we should set sail for Italy. Will you put that map up for me there, John? Would y'all give John a great big hand? He does a great job he, behind the scenes. and 
I taught elementary school, so y'all, I'm on that low level, all right? So here's Judea. Israel's right in here. This is the Mediterranean. How many of y'all studied geography and loved all geography? That was fun. And uh, the Mediterranean is a big body of water, water. And here is Italy. From here to here. This is Italy. It looks like a boot. And uh, this is where Paul was supposed to go. So they had these ships, and there was a lot of grain coming out of Egypt. Um, and so this is where Paul is going to get on a boat. And this is going to be some of his journey here. And notice that they didn't go straight from here because they didn't have motors. They had to use their sails. It's depending on what time of year it is and how they could travel. But um, they kind of go from along the edge and hit the high spots. You can, you can tell. Trying to get to, to Rome. It's pretty interesting. And they're on a boat. And we'll talk about that in just a second here. Said we had, um, it'd be decided to, uh, they handed Paul and some of his prisoners over to an officer of the emperor's regiment named Julius. We embarked in a ship, and I can't even say that name, a dramaton, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of the province of Asia and put out to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonia. This Aristarchus, we don't know much about him, but apparently he loved Paul and was there to support him. He was his traveling companion and was there to help him. But he almost had to pretend to be Paul's slave, give the impression that he was Paul's slave. And he was a servant. Whatever Paul needed him to do, he was there to help. There was a gentleman by the name of Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, who was a doctor. Now, we think of a doctor these days as knowing a whole lot, and I'm sure Luke knew a whole lot, but things are much better now than... But Luke was a Gentile also, like us. We're Gentiles. We've been adopted in. Luke was writing for some person. He had been, basically, uh, they think that he'd been hired to write for a guy named Theopolis. Theopolis name means lover of God. So he might have been just writing for all of us. We love God, so Luke's writing for this. There's not a lot of um, insight besides who Theopolis was. It's speculated. But Luke gives a lot of detail, especially in this chapter 27 here. Um, so they put out to sea. The next day they uh, landed in Tzidon, and Julius considered considerately allowed Shaul or Paul to go visit with his friends and receive what he needed. All right, he's a prisoner, and Julius is responsible for him. And uh, he says uh, he knows that he's probably developed a relationship with Paul, that he knows that Paul wants to go to Rome to be before the emperor, so he's not afraid of him escaping. 
And he's considered him, and he must have some respect for him. He must have some acknowledgement that this guy's well to do and knows what he's doing. And I've heard him talk. I'm going to let him go, let his friends minister to him before we all go get on the boat. You're responsible for someone, and you really want to make sure, you really want to know them, that, uh, that they're going to come back, I'm, I'm sure. Putting uh, the sea from there, we sail close to the sheltered side of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Then across the open sea uh, uh, along the coast of Sicily and uh, all these names that are hard to Lycia, Myra. The Roman officer found an Alexandrian, meaning Egypt, vessel sailing to Italy and put us on a board. For a number of days, we made little headway, and we arrived off um, Sinaitis only with difficulty. Now, I'm looking at a Jewish messianic um, script here. This ship was about 35 feet wide. This room from here to there is 33 and a half, right? It's that wide. It's 120 feet long. It's about double this in length. So we'd probably be out there toward the other side of the parking lot. If you can see um, Christie's vehicle from here, you're sitting at the back, that's about the length of it. 275 people were on board. Mainly, I would say, men. Stinky old men. Didn't have a bath. You're out <clears throat> in the open. Can you show a photo of that? painting of that ship, what it possibly looked like. So um, notice it's only got one little hut right here. Everything else was open. And I, I, I guess they just covered up. But this would be for um, possibly idols to protect them in their, um, they would pray to other gods. Also notice that this ship doesn't have an udder. It has uh, these oars, big, big oars. We've got one on this side and one on that side. Uh, an udder was added later in technology. So they have these sails, and you're in an open boat, 275 people. You know if we're together for a long time in a tight space, we're going to get on each other's nerves, but we're also going to get to know probably everybody. We're going to spend some time with everybody. And um, Julius, who was responsible for Paul, um, had respect for Paul and what he could do or what he knew. He knew he had something. And Luke's writing about this. <clears throat> um, anybody ever been seasick? I know you, Brian, yeah. Uh, I, always, I was wondering what they eat what they had to eat. They didn't eat a whole lot. But they, uh, according to studies of shipwrecks in the Mediterranean, whenever they find a shipwreck, they would have find the pits that go into olives. So they probably ate a lot of olives. But they're carrying grain from um, Egypt. And that's interesting to me. This, um, there's a big demand, even in the fall of the year, most likely this uh, took place during uh, October because Paul mentions a fast in here when we get 
when we read about that. It took place in October of the year, fall of the year, and the winds were not the same in the fall. Most of the time there was not a lot of travel. But this ship here with grain, this ship with grain had sacks in it. I was thinking of just open grain, but it, it apparently had sacks of grain, and it was heavy, but it was worth a lot of money to those in Rome. But during the waves, water gets in here and all that grain starts to swell up. And they actually put, tried to bind it to keep it together, to hold it together. Do you know that this was even insured? Because we don't, I didn't realize that. I always think that insurance is something that we have in the last hundred years here in the United States. But if something happened to this ship, Rome was this bread that they could make from this grain was so important that this was insured. So they had nothing to lose as much except their lives. That was that's interesting history to me. So um, a lot of time had been lost. They were continuing their voyage was risky because they had already passed Yom, Yom Kippur. Some of that, that is a Jewish holiday that happens in October. And you fast for a day, and that's when you confess your sins. Um, men, Paul says, I can see that our voyage is going to be a catastrophe. Paul realized this, not only with huge losses to the cargo and the ship, but with the loss of our lives as well. You sure don't want to hear that, do you? However, the officer, the officer paid more attention to the pilot and the ship ship's owner than to what Paul said. Moreover, since the harbor was not well suited to sitting in the winter, the majority reached the decision to sail on from there in hope of reaching Phoenix, another harbor in Crete, and wintering there because it was uh, protected from the southwest and northwest winds. Uh, can I put that map back up, John? They had went to these different places, and this is where they ended up here in this little island here, Fairhaven. And uh, it, it really was not a good port, and they wanted to go on. And this is where they ended up. There's a little island right there, Malta. Ship lost in a storm, aboard, swim safely to, sh uh, to shore. So... Um, First of all, you own the ship and you're in a bad port and it's not a lot. It's like, let's, maybe we can make it a little further. Maybe we can make it a little further. But Paul's telling them that, hey, I'm telling you things are bad and they're not going to listen to him in that sense. When a gentle southerly breeze began to blow, they thought that their goal was within grasp. So they raised their anchor and started coasting by Crete close to the shore. But there alone, they struck out, <clears throat> struck us from a a land, a full gale, gale from the northeast, and they called it an Evira Killen. It was a nor'eastern, a typhoon. It was a typhoon. The ship was caught off, was caught up, and unable to face the wind, and so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed by the lee of the small island called Cauda, we managed with a uh, effort to get 
control of the lifeboat. They hoisted it above aboard, then fastened the cables tightly around the ship to reinforce it. Put cables because the wheat was starting to get wet. They pulled the lifeboat up. And apparently everybody had to help with that. Not only just um, the sailors, but everybody helped because there was a lot of water in the lifeboat. Um, but because we were fighting such heavy weather the next day, they began to jettison non-essentials. And the third day, they threw the ship's sailing equipment overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither the sun nor the stars appeared while the storm continued to rage until gradually all hope of survival vanished. Apparently, they went 14 days without eating. Now, I, I don't know. I've gone a day and a half without eating, and that's about it. I, I don't know. Maybe they were tougher people than we were. Maybe they were used to going without food. What did that mean? I can't imagine the strength. Um, it was then they had gone a long time without eating. Uh, if you look there in 20, it says, uh, For many days neither the sun nor stars appear, while the storm continued to rage, until gradually all hope of survival vanished. We're on a boat together. We're all um, wondering if we're going to live. You got prisoners, you got uh, um, soldiers who are over the prisoners, you got some sailors, 275 uh, all together. I'm trying to paint a picture and trying to, for myself to understand what it might have been like. It's when they'd go a long time without eating, old Paul stood up in front of them. And I guess everybody in there by that time had realized that this guy had something from God. You should have listened to me and not set out for Crete. If you had, you would have escaped this disastrous loss. But now my advice to you is to take heart because not one of you will lose his life. Now this ship is, things are going bad, even if Paul told you that. Only the ship will be lost. For this very night there stood next to me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. You know, um, I've wondered how many times that we've been around angels because we all remember that verse. We're entertained by angels. But Paul knew who this angel, or he knew that this was an angel that come to give him a message. And that's what the word angel means, messenger. He said, don't be afraid, Paul. You have to stand before the emperor. Look, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. So men take heart. He wasn't just going to save Paul. He was going to save everybody on the ship. For the, <clears throat> I trust God and believe that what I have been told will come true. Nevertheless, we have to run aground on some island. And it was a 14th night and we were still being driven about in the Adriatic Sea, the Mediterranean there. When around midnight, the sailors sensed that they were nearing land, so they dropped a plumb line and found water 100 
and 20 feet deep. And if you're reading in your Bible, it'll say they took sound, and it has nothing to do with sound. Um, they're dropping it out there with a weight on it to see how deep maybe the water is. Um, fearing that they might run upon the rocks, they let out four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Try to hold the, the boat back from being driven into the sand. They were still trying to save it. At this point, the crew made an attempt to abandon ship. They lowered the lifeboat into the sea. The sailors are going to slip out. Hey, we've been in a bad storm. We, we, let's take care of us. We're going to get in the lifeboat. But Paul said to the officers and the soldiers, unless these men remain on board the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the rope, holding the lifeboat, and let it go. Don't you know the sailors like, uh-oh. There went our escape. And just before daybreak, Paul urged them all, saying, Today is the 14th day you have been in suspense, going hungry and eating nothing. Therefore, I advise you to take some food. You need it for your own survival. For not one of you will lose so much as a hair from his head. I know y'all looking at my head right now, aren't you? Steve, you ain't got much to lose, right? When he had said this, he took bread and he uh, gave praise to God in front of everyone. He broke it and began to eat. And with courage restored, they ate some food themselves. Now, I imagine you're being seasick. It might help you to keep from eating. But at this time, they finally took some food, and after they'd eaten all they wanted, they lightened the ship by dumping the grain into the sea. There goes the money. There goes the money. And when day broke, they didn't recognize the land, but they noticed a bay, a sand beach, where they decided to run the ship aground. So they cut away the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, they loosened the ropes and held the rudders out of the water. They hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed back, headed for the beach. But they encountered a place where two currents meet and ran the vessel aground on the sandbar there. Luke's given a lot of detail because he was in the storm. You remember things when there's a lot of uh, emotion tied to it. There's a lot of fear tied to this. And he remembers this storm. And he really wrote it down in detail. The bow, the bow struck and would not move. With the pounding of the surf began to break up the stern. The stern's the back of the boat. And the, I mean, it's so bad that it's starting to break up the, the ship. We're almost finished. At the point, the soldiers thought it was to kill the prisoners. Because if they got away, if you had a prisoner that was your responsibility and they got away, you would suffer death. Your prisoner got away. You could suffer death. So it would be better to kill the prisoner and say, than saying he didn't get away. That's Paul calling us right now. He ordered those, uh, but the officer wanting to save Paul, he didn't want Paul killed, kept them from carrying out their plan. 
and he ordered those who would swim to throw themselves overboard first and head for shore. And the rest, I guess who could not swim, to use planks or whatever they could find from the ship. But thus everyone reached land safely. This um, whole scripture here is not the most exciting in the world. But it was a tough time that they were going through, that Paul was going through. But Paul had faith and Paul knew he had a calling on his life. Um, in the next chapter, we'll be finishing up Acts. They're going to land on an island and there's people there. And uh, I'm going to let Cody teach on that next week. I'm not going to be a spoiler. But um, it's very interesting to me. Here's one man who's on fire for God, who's willing to. And there's men with him. And he knows that he's got to go before the emperor. And he's coming. Paul's coming so that he can teach to the Gentile, us. He's coming to teach. He's coming for us, not to the Jew anymore. Because we read that uh, scripture earlier about Galatians where Peter was to go into the Jews, Paul was going to the Gentiles. Thank goodness that Jesus made a way and it included us. And um, that is the... I just see a man who's fired up, who's left everything, who's only living for God. We live a cushy life, I realize that. Even if we went on a cruise today, it'd be really nice. But if you're on a ship like this, sailing around, um, you can't get your iPhone out and check out where the map is. I really like those on the iPhone. Missy and I were in Atlanta this week, and... We were punching in every, all these addresses. Turn right, Ryan, turn right, turn right. Now, now, now. They didn't have that. And um, also, every day I check my phone for the weather. You know, you can see, they got a general idea of their best through the years. Of, in the last few years, they've been able to kind of see ahead of time what Looks like it's coming to Alabama, a storm or something like that. You couldn't see, and they had to figure it out on the fly a lot of times. So this is quite a, quite a trip uh, for Paul and, and many of those who were with him. And Luke wrote all this down. But he could not wait to get to the emperor so that he could talk about Jesus and who the Messiah was. Um, that is the point. Does anybody have any questions or anything like that? It was a lot of history for me. I like history and I want to know, I always want to know what it was like and why. What? They would just kind of catch ships. You would catch a ship at a port and they'd say, where are you headed? And you could pay extra money and get on that ship. Then I always wonder, well, how did they eat? And what did they eat? And how did they get along? And we have to have patience with one another. And those folks had patience with one another. And there had to be a certain amount of respect, too. Um, everybody needs their space and time. 
But if you're on a ship together traveling and you're in a storm, there's going to be probably some trying moments and also some uh, times you realize who you can trust and who you can't trust or who you can depend on and you can't depend on. But there had to be order. But they started listening to old Paul, who was a prisoner. And I am thankful that the good Lord, Paul was on fire 